You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Peter Chadi. He's the founder of Creative Media, and he's also the author of Fearless Media. So, uh, Peter, thank you for coming. Yeah, great to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell me about uh, Creative Media. What's the the premise behind it, and what's the uniqueness of it? Uh, My firm is a, a media tech media entertainment and tech business advisory development and investment firm. So we work with uh, companies that are doing the most innovative things in the tech transform world of media and entertainment. And so that could be in the video side, music, VR, AR. So a lot of immersive work as well as out of home entertainment experiential. And the kinds of things that we frequently do is we're connectors, we're deal makers, and we're opportunity spotters. Huh. Well, you must be in front of the most, uh, the, I guess the best word is cool, the most coolest technology out there, I would guess, right? Well, that's the goal. The goal is absolutely to do that. And I'm fortunate um, to um, have access to a lot of very interesting things. And part of it comes from just the fact that I've been in the media and entertainment and tech world for so long. And, and so I've built up an interesting network across those years and so there's a, a, a many opportunities introduced to me, but I'm also try to keep my ears really close to the ground because I've been a serial entrepreneur myself. <clears throat> so I know how it is to build and run and raise capital for and exit some some of the leading or some real bleeding edge media tech companies. And I'll, I'll just give you a couple examples on the music side. I was president of Music Match, which was really the first Spotify. We were the first ones that that really created the on-demand music streaming game back in the day. This was back 2002, and we sold to Yahoo for $160 million. So we were real pioneers well ahead of the time when we have subscription streaming, of course. Um, And then I became CEO of a company that was um, the leader in consumer video chat before anybody believed that there would be such a market. So it was before FaceTime and Skype video and all those things. And we, we did believe <laughs> our investors believed, and we were able to have a nice exit and we sold to Logitech. And so those are a couple examples of where I kind of put my money where my mouth is, where it's, I'm, I'm just intellectually interested where the technology has transformed the media and entertainment space. And I've been fortunate to work with some great teams to be real innovators, hopefully pushing it along the way. Okay. Well, that's some, some pretty easy and sensical questions. And so what's the, I don't know, what's the most amazing and coolest stuff that's up and coming that you can talk about that you've seen? 
Well, it's interesting that uh, I'm spending a lot of my time in the immersive world right now. Um, but immersive is not just virtual reality and being behind a behind a, a you know headset uh, or a wearable of some kind. It's uh, immersive is also out of home entertainment that can be driven by VR driven experiences. Where like there's a company that I'm working with called Tiffin T Y F F Frank Frank O N out of Japan, where they operate location based entertainment centers in Tokyo and are coming soon to the U S. Where you can actually, you're wearing a VR um, uh, headset, but you're able to walk freely, untethered around in a physical environment. So it's a very social experience with your friends, and you feel like you're in a haunted house and you're participating in it and doing that. But like that's immersive, taking it off just your in your insular kind of solo experience and bringing it out in the field. And then another very interesting immersive that uh, opportunity that I see is I'm chairman of a company called Vortex, V-O-R-T-E-X, um, Immersion Media, and they produce uh, dome experiences, dome field experiences. So you can imagine being in a dome with your friends uh, where you have the music surrounding you and you have visuals in 360 degrees all um, you know enveloping you, and it's very much a, a three-dimensional virtual reality-ish kind of experience without the wearable. And I believe that cool. like the, the out of home, I, I, I almost think that even though I'm a digital media guy, there is a there's a craving for the non-digital. There's a craving for the, you know, the being in the physical environments, real social interaction. And I believe in that. And so I'm spending a fair amount of my time in that world now, but how technology can maximize the impact offline. So it's like online or virtual really fuels and accelerates the impact of the, you know, offline physical sort of world and social interaction. I think there's a lot to be done there. Yeah, that sounds, that seems more of like a, an augmented reality play, but I guess as a, for instance, you know, I, I like to go to escape rooms with my kids yeah. and that's, uh, you know, they'll augment it sometimes with TV screens and magnetic locks and things like that. So it's, um, you know, there is some technology there, but the physical is super important and it's really cool. And I like your idea of the, uh, well, it's not your idea, but the dome entertainment idea, it's, it feels like uh, as if I had a private showing at a planetarium, for instance, or a, an IMAX yeah. theater with friends. So I can see that would be a really cool experience too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that I, I was talking to somebody about this just earlier today, that I I live experiences. That's how I spend my time with my families. We go to music festivals. We try to do things that are very in, you know, engaging that way. And I've gone to Coachella for you know ten years now straight. And the kids who go to Coachella, it's a very young audience. They they see everything. You know, they're immersed in all kinds of technology. Not not much impresses the kids because they're digital natives. They see everything. But what was really interesting to me. There was a, a dome experience at Coachella, which was fairly, it, it was sophisticated, but not nearly as much as it can be. Yet the kids walked in who are not impressed with anything, and they walked out <laughs> with just uh, um, amazed by what they experienced. And so that's, that's an example of like a greenfield opportunity, I believe. And, you know, just getting to your escape room concept. One of the things I've really thought about, and I really believe this will be happening. I don't know anybody doing it yet, but I think somebody should do it. Maybe you and I should set it up. <laughs> but 
where just like many people have home theaters, you can imagine a situation or a future in the not too distant future where you have your own escape room, essentially, where it's LEDs lining every single wall uh, and you can do your yoga, you can do your relaxation, you can do your spiritual sort of introspection by dialing in Tibet or dialing in and being on top of Kilimanjaro or something like that. And you feel like you're absolutely immersed in that in that physical environment that you can dial in at any point in time. I think that's a really interesting opportunity. Well, years ago, and I guess I, it doesn't matter saying it publicly, but I thought of uh, a concept, I call it like recreation, where you would go with like your family and you'd pay to have experiences in like three or four different rooms. And one might be a beach, you know, like a really hot room where it's like a beach with water. Another one, you can go throw snowballs. Another one, you can go and, uh, you know, like, I don't know, play games. And, it, you know, so it, instead of like laser tag, it would be rooms with all these different experiences. So let's say you're in a cold climate. It would be really cool to be able to pay and all of a sudden be at like a beach environment or vice versa. Yeah. So I could see how these experiences would be super cool for people. Absolutely. I, I think that's exactly right. And, um, you know, it's interesting that you can get <laughs> real phys physiological impact by the technology that you're experiencing too. So like on the heat side or the cold side that you were talking about, I'll give you kind of an out there example. Um, there's a, I forgot the name of the company. It might be Sias, P-S-I-O-U-S, and I have nothing to do with them, but I write about them in my Fearless Media book. Um, there's a chapter where I talk about the physiological impacts of immersive technology. And in that particular case, which is an amazing use case. This company provides technology to, a hosp to hospitals that are addressing like children burn victims. And they're immersing the kids just with a headset on they're in a snow environment, an actual snow environment. And because of that, because of the power that has on the brain that they're immersed in a snow environment, the physiological impacts are very real and they're akin to the same kind of pain reduction that these kids would have if they were under the, the influence of opiates that are used to, to address their pain management. So that's amazing. It's really cool stuff. And these are things that are happening now and in such the early stages still. Huh. So it sounds like uh, the new new is uh, to keep the physical aspects of entertainment as much as possible, or at least some of them. And then use technology to make this hybrid environment that's uh, you know more exciting and more flexible than ever before. Well, that's certainly one theme that I talk about and write about a lot, um, and I, I'm living it. So I'm spending a, a fair amount of my time in those kind of environments because I really believe in that. Uh, but you know, there's certainly other some of the other main themes that I write about a lot and I just ponder a lot are um, like the democratization of creating interactive stories or interactive experiences. So just like back in the day, um, YouTube really democratized the ability for any of us to create and publish videos to the world. Um, I'm working with a company called Metaverse, M-E-T-A-verse. Um, and I think the URL is gometa.io. But they, the person who who's the CEO of that company, his name is Dimitri Shapiro. He actually created YouTube before YouTube, but got funded second. And his was the biggest competitor to YouTube, which you may recall, a company called Veo, V-E-O-H. 
and they were massive back in the day. Well, what Dimitri has done now, he's created a company that does the same thing for interactive stories. So that means um, creating games or AR experiences and makes you don't have to be a software engineer anymore. It's just it's democratized where any of us can easily create and share those kinds of things. So that's I think that's really interesting um, in a mobile driven world where, again, it's, um, you know, the AR component is semi immersive and it relates to the immersive. But I also believe, um, you know, I spent a lot of my time pondering the video world and pondering the music world and how that's transformed. And so just today, I, I wrote a post on LinkedIn about Netflix and on the video side and how Netflix is seemingly invincible. But I'm unlike the vast majority of people, I'm kind of a bear when it comes to Netflix and have been for for many years. And I won't get into all the reasons why, but uh, but certainly Apple and Disney and Warner Media are coming out with their own quote unquote Netflix killers this year to join Amazon. It so I think Netflix, like mm -hmm. never before, will be challenged in 2019. And so that's a theme that I, I, I in this video, this increasingly over the top video world, that's a theme that I write about and talk about a lot. Well, when it comes to video. Um, you know, again, I think back to when I was a kid, I remember there was like choose your own adventure books and you'd be in the book and it would say, all right, you know, there's a dragon in front of you. If you want to yeah. fight it, you know, go to page 34. If you want to run, go to page 40. So why can't they do that, for instance, with movies where um, people will go to a movie and, uh, you know, maybe they'll have like instead of 3D glasses, you know, some other kind of glasses where they're seeing certain parts of the movie that offers them a choice and they can. I guess on the fly, change how the movie will go based on their taste. Yeah, absolutely, and um, completely agreed. And that's been a dream of Hollywood or a lot of creators for quite some time. Certainly, a dream rather than a real promise, because I don't think there's been anything very successful to date that's given the audience the ability to change the story. But as hot off the presses, it's funny you say that because, of course, Black Mirror on Netflix just had the, the, the debut of Bandersnatch, which is the first, one of the first major interactive um, movie slash television experiences ever distributed at, at a mass scale. And, uh, you know, that's one where th this new episode that just came out, I think it's like two days ago, the Netflix user has choices throughout the experience where they, they decide where the they decide a certain um, route to where the story is going. So the story can branch in multiple ways. They choose a route and then the story changes because of that. So what Netflix had to do is they created a, you know, all these different iterations of a story. And then depending on which path the user takes, they'll have a different experience. Yours will be different than mine, et cetera, et cetera. So that is a, that's a major like hot off the presses moment. Yeah, I was gonna say in a Netflix environment, or at home, it's much easier to control that stuff. You know, at least yeah. let's say um, when you film stuff, you have a lot of B-roll, you have a lot of extra, and all that seems to get thrown away. Maybe you got director's cut. But right. what they could do is, let's say um, there's a show that adults are going to watch and kids are going to watch. They could have a kid-friendly path through the show that cuts out images, let's say, of some of the violence or sex scenes. And they can still get the story, but they won't see some of the details that an adult would see or someone doesn't like horror movies, or, you know, they can go in a completely different story arc at certain points in the story. So I think there's, there's a lot that could be done that should be done. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. And and then on the kind of the more and that is it, it is much easier to do the, the this branching and creating content where the user decides when it's a solo experience where they can make the the you know the individual decision while they're watching their Netflix show. It is a very different sort of ball game when you're in a communal environment like a movie theater or something like that, and you can collectively influence in a seamless kind of fashion rather than some you know wonky kind of way. And um, what the company, one of the companies I mentioned earlier, the Dome Company, Vortex Immersion Media, uh, they have a very interesting vision of how the audience can influence the actual like visuals that are going on through. I don't want to misstate it because this is past my pay grade, but through through like the thinking, the you know the the I don't know if it's the energy in the room or it's the actual somehow there's a way through almost like telepathy collectively that changes the overall experience depending on you know the the mood or the you know thoughts in the room. So that is a a dream that probably isn't too far off, by the way. That's cool. Well, what other um, really interesting experiences or new initiatives you see coming, even if they're not here yet, but they're close? Well, I certainly think that, you know, we're talking about um, a lot of these, a lot of these experiences that we've discussed are content fueled. And so that requires intellectual property, that requires stories, it requires characters, it requires creativity in that kind of way. So the technology is the enabler of it, but it's the storytelling. So it's kind of like, you know, it goes back to the beginnings of time where storytelling, storytelling was at the center of everything. And storytelling, I'm still very much a content is king guy, you know, from my days and being in the media and entertainment world. And I certainly think that the value of IP of creation and of licensing that IP is a big theme and becoming a bigger theme. And so one of the areas that I'm very excited about and I'm working pretty deeply in is in music publishing, as an example. So uh, I mentioned I'm a deal guy as well as a uh, you know, past entrepreneur and connector. And so one of my recent deals was I worked with a major entertainment company to acquire the publishing catalog for Count Basie's, the legendary jazz artist. And that will bring, reinvent and revitalize Count Basie's great music and great brand to an entirely new audience. That's the possibilities here through some of the things we're talking about. And, you know, immersive technology or things that just new ways to commercialize great rights. And I'm working on a number of other major music publishing deals right now. So that's exciting for me because it's about taking the, this great music and reimagining it, reinventing it, and also bringing these great artists um, back and making them relevant again to a new generation. So that's cool stuff. Would you be able to, um, probably in the Dome experience, I mean, could you recreate famous concerts of old and oh, get yeah. somewhat close to the actual experience for people? I think that would be... People would love that. Older people that went to that concert and then young people that never got to experience the concert, you know? Oh, yeah. To completely, completely. In fact, I can't mention who they are, but there's a very iconic early 80s band that was always pretty ahead of its time when it came to an immersive vision. And I've been talking to them about doing an immersive dome experience, dome concert experience, where the visuals would be at a level never before possible through that kind of technology, yet the music is 
being played live at the same time. So a dome or any of these things really doesn't necessarily mean that you're divorced from the live part, the live performance part too. It just further, it's like a deeper, more, more, uh, a deeper enhancement of them. And if there's, for anybody who's listening, I'll give you an example, like a concrete example you can look up on YouTube. So again, on Vortex, the company I mentioned, if you look, actually, if you just go to their website, um, which I think is Vortex Dome, vortexdomes.com, you'll see an example of a concert with Childish Gambino, um, you know, the great contemporary music artist in pop music, uh, where he performed within a dome environment in the Joshua Tree Desert, where you had all these projections all around you, but it was a live concert within this thing. And you can imagine doing that with these, with any one of these iconic artists and, and, and bringing even those who have passed away, you can bring them to life in, you know, whether it's projected, but also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interacting with holographic companies too. And holographic technology was already a big deal a few years ago at Coachella when Tupac came back on stage uh, in the form of a hologram. But you can imagine how far that holographic technology has gone in those six years or seven years since that happened. And I think that's exciting, too. That's cool. Well, it sounds like it would be cool if you were, if you were someone's dad. You'd take your uh, family and all these experiences. So you'd be a fun person to hang out with, it sounds like. <laughs> well, I'll, here's, here's another one. I, mean, just, and, and I was talking about this with my kids and my wife the other day. Where you've seen – are you a Star Wars guy? Uh, yeah, I like Star Wars. Star Trek. Okay. So I forgot which one. It might have been the last one where Carrie Fisher, of course, Princess Leia, she had died. But yet she still had an extended role in the latest Star Wars because they were able to um, take her image and through CGI create her. And 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 if she felt like she was real, like a real live actor. And you can imagine Mm -hmm. that that kind of I'm not going to say gimmicky. But it's real. It's happening real now, and it's already convincing. We're yeah. not going to be too far off where rather than having to hire actors for tens and 20 millions of dollars, that you'll be able to license their image, perhaps. The actor or actress gets to you know, sit on a, on a beach someplace, having sipping their cocktails, not having to put in the time to do anything, yet they're still collecting royalties, um, but it's still more cost-effective for the studio to just take their image and and create a story that's where they're acting, even though they're not. <laughs> I could say the, uh, the ultimate stunt double. And I, another consequence from that would be, um, you know, let's say there's a movie that people like and there's certain actors that play the people in the movie. Eventually, if the technology gets good enough, you could choose who you want to act in that role and overlay that person's face yeah. on that character and have them act it, you know? Well, completely, completely. And I'll give you another just um, kind of a cost efficient, data driven what's happening now in Hollywood, at least with the new Hollywood, where you're seeing companies like um, I'll throw out one that uh, I'm not working with them, but I think they're really cool Um, there. It's a company that's in the uh, called Crypt TV, you know, like Crypt. So Crypt TV. And it's a, a new media company focused on the horror genre. 
And they start with a character or they start with a very short, like mini-sode that, uh, that is a mobile-driven experience. And then they can test to see how the audience reacts to that. You know, some of their characters are forgotten. Nobody cares. But some, there are some that um, somehow get some penetration with the audience. And so they can then take that character and expand the storyline and invest more money into it to have a longer form con you know, um, experience or possibly a television show or movie and, and have a much better sense of whether that will be successful because it, and spending their money in efficient, effective way and having stronger ROI because they already know that they have a built in audience that will come and experience it. So I think that this, hmm. this experimentation that is enabled through data driven, um, you know, the new data driven models, I think that's a, a, a that's something that, these new media companies that I spend a fair amount of time with, that's what they're doing. And I think old Hollywood needs to understand that and see how they're just being outclassed right now because they're still going very much the subjective way. Yeah, that's really interesting. It seems like, um, I guess, uh, the blacklist on steroids. You know, I just saw a TED talk about the blacklist and how it was kind of an amalgamation of what um, producers that see scripts liked and that changed how movies are made. But this incorporates uh, far more data and testing with actual viewers and, you know, the technology. I mean, you could really make customized type content and experiences. Absolutely. So, you know, these are all really exciting things. There's, there's so many things that are going on. And I really do try to tackle um, a lot of the things we're discussing and a lot more in, in, in my new book. And so hopefully that's both informative and entertaining, and it's certainly not meant just for industry insiders. It's meant to, for uh, um, anybody who's interested in in these kinds of things that we're talking about. Yeah, very cool. So um, we haven't talked much about your investment style, so maybe just a little bit on that. What what do you look for when you look at these companies? Because I can see it would be tricky, you know, like even if a mm -hmm. company has a great idea, if they don't come out at the right time, uh, the, the idea may not go anywhere, or maybe it's not right for the market, or maybe there's a competitor that for some reason just wins the attention over them. So it just seems like it would be super tricky for you to make uh, investments that would pay off. Yeah, investing is always, uh, um, whether it's your time, you know, because a lot of my investment is just pure time. Like we all have limited time. So where are you going to put, where are you going to put your energy? Uh, that's, that's a big, that's a big bet. You got to love what you do. You know, that's ultimately on the time part. I got to be a real believer that it's just fun. It's interesting. We're pushing the envelope, innovating, that kind of stuff. But then from a monetary standpoint, too, there's all these different choices. And you're right. There's there are so many great stories out there. There's so much great innovation. And as we know, the best doesn't necessarily win. So it's a question. A lot of it depends on who's associated with the company. How does it rise above the din? And so one of the 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 things that hopefully I can add as an investor, and I'm an early stage investor, I, I get in very early, um, you know, seed stage, pre-seed stage. One of the things that hopefully I can optimize the chances of the company that company's success as well as my own success accordingly is that I can be an active investor. So the things that we're talking about, the access that I have, the experiences I have, you know, hopefully can be helpful to better the chances for those companies because. Again, the, let's just say th there is, you know, an opportunity. Let's say there's a company out there doing something, whatever that may be. You can bet that it's not the only company out in the world that's doing that sort of thing. So 
you know, if you have these, let's say, 10 in one particular very niche area, one can have much better technology than the others, but the other one, another one of the 10 may win because of the kinds of things like connections and access and geolocation, you know, location of where they're based and, and all those sorts of things. So I invest in the kinds of areas that we're talking about like immersive, like video, like augmented reality. But I do it um, with companies that I believe I can add unique value to and that I believe have a management team that is, um, they don't necessarily have to be proven because innovation frequently happens by new timers, but they need to, I need to believe that they have a unique vision and they also have the unique traits that entrepreneurs need to be successful, which is, you know, never say die, tenacity, um, great team, all those kinds of things. Okay, makes sense. Well, very good, Peter. So what the, what are some resources for listeners where they could find out more? Well, so I, I do think that, um, you know, my new book, which you can find on Amazon, Fearless Media, and it's Fearless Media Survival of the Fittest in today's Media 2.0 world. And I call it Media 2.0 because it's the tech-infused world of media and entertainment. So I think that book gives a nice overview of all the different areas that we're talking about. I also interview over 30 leaders in and around the space. So, and I give my predictions for 2000, you know, this year and beyond of where the technology is going. So that's a, a resource um, that's easy to find. And then otherwise, there are um, I do my my writing on a regular basis, like I published that post today on LinkedIn um, under my, my name, of course, my profile. And my last name is spelled kind of funny, but it's, it, although my last name is Chadi, it's, it's spelled like Kasafi. So it's Peter C like Kath, S like Sam, A, T, H like Harry, Y. And you can look at my LinkedIn profile and you'll see a bunch of my musings there. And then um, uh, just, uh, I think some sources. I actually think I think TechCrunch does a good job in covering some of these things we're talking about. I think maybe surprisingly, Variety, the media and entertainment publication, they do a, an increasingly good job on the technology side, too. So a lot of the areas that we're talking about will be covered in Variety. I think that's a good resource. Uh, and then, obviously, following podcasts like yours. That's how you stay fresh. Excellent. Well, Peter, this has been really fun, really cool, and it's exciting, and uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. No, I really enjoy being part of it, and it, it is fun to talk about these things. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you.